This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's Sports Station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever the heck it is. At Wright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter, at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. Football's back, Jeffrey. Is this a football's back day in your mind? This Hall is, of Fame game day? The, the thing that's great about the Hall of Fame game is you have the same reaction each and every year. You talk yourself into, like, this time maybe it's going to be watchable. Mm-hmm. And then you're fired First up. First quarter's always good. Get, don't, don't get at me. I understand. Like, second half, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a big second half of the Hall of Fame game type of guy. The Hall of Just Fame the game. excitement of football being back can carry me through the first half of it. First quarter. First quarter? Yeah. About midway through the second quarter, you start to realize, like, oh, this sucks. Like, they're not But then you snapped. hold out till halftime. Yeah. You'll hold not... out till halftime. Apparently, though, I guess sold out. Tickets are going for, like, 350 bucks. Hmm. What? That would be a great question. What, what was the get-in price for a commander's preseason game last year? It had to be like if you went on the secondary market, well, you probably could get in for what ten bucks. Probably, yeah. Three hundred and fifty dollars to go see a preseason football game, and this is even coming from me, Jeffrey. The Hall of the Fame, Hall of game. Fame game, please, of course. Um, I feel like does NBC's got the broadcast, but I feel like NBC does like. There's no about chance Tariq gets is. one game a year. No, it doesn't. It gets USFL games. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Only gets one Hall of Fame game. It, it does only. They get- support the Hall of Fame. Think about it. Like Canton, Ohio. It feels like. I mean, I'm sure my there's brother, some Cantonians my- that can correct me here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be willing to guess the Hall of Fame's importance to the economy of Canton, Ohio, is much like the importance of, say, like FedEx's importance to Memphis. Like Canton is smaller than Memphis, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I know this. My my youngest brother played played a game there. They went and played some team from... Like, from, who's going to Canton, Ohio, unless you live there, other than to go to the Hall of Fame? Reliant K's from there. Okay. It's the only, two, the, only, the only two things I know about Canton are the Hall of Fame's from there and Reliant K's from there. Well, football's back tonight, and it felt like... 
I, I guess this is the other problem that I have. I think the words football is back mm-hmm. are precious. Mm-hmm. And I'm not down with this whole you can say what words mean thing that we're doing culturally now. Football is back has to be for real. So, and wasting football is back. Mm-hmm. Mark, it's like saying I love you just to get a girl to, to sleep with you. Is this, you got to mean it. Is this gambling's back? Well, you know, yeah, like I mean, you took a short well, hiatus? Hall of Fame unders. Yeah. Um, because I think you're right. Because honestly, I don't even know. Like, I'm what not is, even what is your, what is your? I don't f- even like saying it on week zero. Yeah, I was going to say, what is your football's back moment? Thursday is it that- night, week one college football. That's when I like. That's, that's when I, football's back football's for you? Football's back. It's not like, say, even though, like, it's not either, like, the Thursday night NFL game mm-hmm. or even, like, the first big, the first Saturday where oh, there's all sorts of games. It's not the Mark, first not, Sunday where there's all sorts of games. It's not even when my beloved MUS Owls kick off. It's, it's, it's the first Thursday of college football week. Week one, that Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Football is back. Okay. I will, if you want, if you're someone that wants to say, the reason why I'll say that counts is because you have a full slate Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday yeah. of football. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the Monday this so year. So college football gets to claim football is back is what you're football saying. Football is back. That's a dare to Roger Goodell. No, but then this, that's, family is back. When the Thursday, <laughs> when the when the Chiefs and Lions kick off Thursday night, whatever. I still can't believe the Lions are getting that game. I am so worried. That that is not a franchise that needs expectations. <laughs> like that that is. Uh, well, we got footballs back. We got surprisingly, I thought a great surprise watch. I was not expecting that much from the Memphis exhibition game against mm-hmm. the Dominican national team, and I didn't watch it live, but I watched. You know the replay, like highly entertaining for for August second when the night before they had like the Ocho and remember I said like X Games with a thirteen year old and uh, uh, TBT and all the it was highly entertaining. I was very uh, compelling watch from the Dominican from Santo Domingo. Uh, with the Memphis basketball team last we, night. We can start there. That'll be my first tasty take. Quickly, let's set the schedule. Eric's going to join us here in about 35 minutes. We'll talk a few Grizzlies things with him. I'm, I'm curious how he's feeling about the Jordan Love. He's a Packers guy, so we'll, we'll see how he's feeling about the whole Jordan Love situation. 305, we'll get into the list. We'll have Jason Smith at 335. We'll tell your story, and then we'll get out of here. All right, tasty take Thursday. I'll start with the exact same thing. That you were just talking about. Okay. This is driving me insane. Why do we have to sit there? We, I completely agree with exactly what you said. That was a fun August 2nd watch. Yeah. Why do we, as a city, have to overreact <laughs> every freaking time that team touches the floor? Because I'm sitting there watching it with my wife and just thinking, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, this game means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. That scene was incredible. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like, you had the, like, you, you had the house music going. Like, the, Dude, it was like 8,000 people. It was yeah. sold out. It was awesome. Big Poppy was there. Courtside. Poppy's there. He does, he does the sideline interview. We have no idea <laughs> what he said. Yes. But it was still Good awesome. Good quality broadcast, Correct. it felt like. Correct. The, the broadcast in Spanish, I got no idea what they're saying, but I was into it. And it was a fun Watch. 
Why? And and Memphis acquitted Why? itself well. It was like they didn't get embarrassed. Okay, there's my second tasty take. Mm-hmm. That was a Silverfield special. Oh. <laughs> that was a that was a that was a the other team turned off the gas. We turned up the gas. Mm. That's how you lose two games, games in one game, week. It's a game of runs. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know. But it was fun. Yeah. Why? Why every time this team touches the floor do we have to overreact? Because Mark, I have not. You're not said ready to make declarations about back. the roster. We do not overreact to what we've seen and base every judgment until we've seen week one of college football and week one of the NFL, and that's when we decide about teams. We cannot do that with last night. This team literally had a guy introduce himself at the freaking airport. <laughs> Uh, and we're trying they, to make oh, like know, sweeping way, assertions. Like to, they, did you hear about their travel issues yes, getting the to the arena? Down or whatever. Yeah. No, it was like they got trapped, and so basically, like the players. By the way, that is the beginning of a horror film. <laughs> yeah, they got trapped like, in Santa Domingo. Like, it trapped sounds like in the, the Dominican bu- Republic. It sounds like some, there was like a parked car that was basically prevent a parked car where it shouldn't have been parked. That was preventing the bus from making a turn on like a relatively narrow street to get to this the arena. Place Judging by what Munz has said and what Parth has said, this place literally sounds like New Orleans on steroids. And what I mean by that is New Orleans basically has, like, no laws. The one law is, like, don't have glass in your hands. That's basically it. (laughs) I was was on the phone with Munz yesterday. But, like, it sounds like there's no rules of the road. It sounds like it is just a free-for-all. He goes to me because Munz is a – He's, he grew up in Natchez, mm-hmm. Mississippi. Spent a lot of time in Hattiesburg, mm-hmm. Southern Miss grad. He's been places because he's a journalist, whatever. But mm-hmm. ultimately, he's a good Mississippi boy. He goes to me, Mark. I was at a stoplight yesterday. Six, six scooters just went through the red light as if like it didn't even exist. Yeah, <laughs> he was just like, it's chaos. It's like our no, energy. It sounds like it's <laughs> truly lawless. <laughs> and he's like. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a you know it's it's a bit of an adventure. They they didn't have internet in there for, to like. Well, that's not true. They had internet. <laughs> they got they devoured not, by eight thousand people. They did not keep internet. <laughs> they did not keep internet. Correct. Um, and it was, uh, but I here's which my, by the way, even more credit to the broadcast. The fact that that thing stayed on, I, that seemed like a miracle. <laughs> they were using all the juice. Yeah. Here's my tasty take. I don't think enough is being made. When we really look at this from a 10,000-foot angle here, or 10,000-foot uh, view, what Penny Hardaway, whether it was intentional or unintentional, and I am guess I actually would probably lean unintentional. I don't think he expected that he was going to go play the Dominican national team in front of 8,000 people when he planned this trip. But I don't think enough's being made about what he ultimately just put the team through last night. And then it, they, it went exactly as you could have hoped if you were a coach in terms of, you know, like this could have been like a, they could have easily gotten embarrassed in this situation because they've never played together. They're playing in front, you know, in front of a, like an atmosphere, frankly, they might not run into the rest of the season. <laughs> like in terms of hostile road environment. Yeah. I May, mean, like Ole Miss ain't going to be that bad. You know, like, uh, well, I don't know. Ole Miss Battle is, for Atlantis no. is going to be a ballroom. Ole Miss is, uh, Ole Miss is, very on board with Chris Beard. So like, that actually, but it's the the thing is though, it was such a festive atmosphere. I didn't feel yeah. like it was hostile. I well, felt it was like, an exhibition game. Ultimately. It was a party. 
But I think it went exactly. Are you trying to make too much out of this too? I just think it went in turn from a from the perspective of this whole the point of this trip was for this team to come together a little bit more because they're all these guys from different teams in different parts of the country who've never played together. It felt like like I don't look at it in terms of oh this guy looked good and oh this line these oh this is the starting lineup up oh, this looks I'm not making judgments on that. I made a judgment based on like I just think it went well in terms of goal of this trip is to build the camaraderie of this team and going through that experience last night and coming out of it where you're like at the end of the game you could go man we almost came back from a 20 some odd point deficit um like I think it's gonna be it feels like it's gonna be a rewarding experience in the long run for the team just based on the goals of the trip I, I'm with you like trying to like make w- these big picture judgments on specific players based off of one game after they've rarely played together feels, you know. We only, that is sacred space reserved for football. Yeah. We only get to it's, overreact and base every every opinion based on what we saw the first time we saw them in football. But they they looked they looked pretty good, and that's all you wanted. Like, it was great. I, I just thought it was a really cool, it was like just a cool experience and like it just felt different than your typical college sports, you know, college basketball game. Just because well, that's the atmosphere. it wasn't a college basketball yeah. game. Yeah, that's true. Um, and like that team, the Dominican team was pretty damn good. Lester looks awesome. Um, you know, David Jones was maybe their second or third best player. So that's good news. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I, 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 that game just has absolutely no context. Yes, it's it's just a. I think it's a good memory, a positive memory. I can tell you this though, Jeffrey. If this team gets to the final four, mm, that's you're gonna start the documentary there. Yeah. We knew it was gonna be a special season. When, when we got trapped on the bus in Santa Domingo. Mm. <laughs> we <laughs> We were in front of Big Poppy, and it'll get exaggerated. Big Poppy was screaming in our face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We had no running water in the bathroom. Mm. That's when it becomes a tell your story type thing. But we went in there and we fought. Mm-hmm. Like hell. You know. To the death. Uh, Didn't hear no bell. <laughs> that was a team that was going for a world championship in Dominican mm-hmm. Republic. That's, right? That was the 23rd rank. <laughs> 21st? 23rd? Yeah. 23rd rank. Who's counting? That's the 23rd team ranked in the world, uh, Mark. That's a contender. Yes. <laughs> but, no. Seriously. I think it's... I do think it is very interesting... There is no team, college basketball team in the country, I would venture to guess, on a foreign tour who is playing in an environment like that. If you go look at these foreign tours, like Javon Quinterly even said it after the game. He's been on two other foreign tours with Villanova and Alabama. That's Mm -hmm. how long he's been around. This is his third foreign tour. Well, if you time (laughs) it up properly, because schools can do it every five years, right? Yeah. He's gone abroad at every school he's been at, you know? Uh, he's done a you know mm-hmm. he's done some weeks abroad, but he said he basically said like you know at those on those trips when he went with Villanova and Alabama like you're basically playing like a closed scrimmage against a you know European club team mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, it's not in front of like a huge crowd like this. So um, I thought it was just it was cool. It's cool. Okay. I don't think the next two games are going to be like that one. Yeah, I think that's seems- I think they're going to be much more low key. No tell. I don't think any. I don't think there's going to be a stream from the next two. 
is the indication we're getting. Like, that stream was provided essentially by the Dominican Basketball Federation that mm-hmm. we got last night. Um, and so I don't know if we're going to get that for these next two games that are down in La Romana against Dominican select teams, whatever that mm. is. Do you have any final thoughts? Because I, I, I no. just, I'm at the thing where I'm good. I don't understand why we have to make everything either these these matches. Just nice streets. to see the full team out there on the floor together for the first time. That was or a, not full team, most of the team out there for the first time together. To me, like that was the quintessential surprise fun watch. Yeah. yeah. And why can't it just be that? I think it is. I think that's what we're declaring right here and now. <laughs> um, okay. Here's a tasty take for you. Right. Since we it was happening while we were on air, the Florida State Board of Trustees mm. just having a very memorable hissy fit. Yes. Um at their at their board meeting, basically saying, We want out of the ACC. Don't ask us how we're getting out, but we want out in mm-hmm. the next year. Yes. They 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 threw a petulant child fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um but that Combined with the news that the Big Ten is now exploring expansion, primarily it appears with Oregon and Washington, um, but perhaps long shot, it appears now, Stanford and Cal. Um, and, you know, the rumblings that really set all this off with the Big 12 and the Pac 12 of Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah looking to jump to the Big 12 along with Colorado now. Um, all of that taken together has now led the national writers, Jeffrey, to uh, conclude that, like, the uh, the reckoning is here. The conference realignment reckoning we've all kind of had in our had in our uh, – we knew it was in the future. I think we, you and I need to get ahead of this. Let's stop calling it conference realignment. Conference consolidation. Yeah, conference consolidation yes. is the right phrase. We shouldn't. Because there's not right. really realigning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's – there's realignment, but it's it's – it's because you're consolidating. Well, yeah, you're contracting. You're contracting one league, um, and I don't know. I I kind of take. I want to. I'll believe it when I see it with Florida State in the sense that they have pub. I, now it hasn't been quite to the degree it was yesterday. Where like basically the entire board of trustees, it felt like, went on the mic, took the mic, and basically bitched and moaned about the Correct. ACC. Um, but. I've seen this dance before from them where they kind of buck because they don't like it, and but then ultimately when push comes to shove, they have not been able to figure out a way to get out, or when they've had a chance to get out, ultimately the ACC was still the best option for them. Yeah, I I disagree. Mm-hmm. My you, tasty you take think was, this is different. That was a declaration of war. Mm. I think I think Florida State. I think Florida State has basically – I think there's a lot of schools in that league that feel the exact same way that Florida State made public. But I think for political-type reasons, they can't really – like, for instance, I think Clemson feels the exact same way. Well, have you heard the rumblings now today that Florida State and Clemson have considered independence? Not to say that they'll do it, but that they've – that it's been mentioned. It's It's come up in meetings – They've they've whiteboarded it, you know. They've yeah, they've, through, game, they've, they've game theoried it out. I yeah. think I think what they really said yesterday was they told the ACC, "Give us a number," because to me, basically, what I kind of took away from that was, "Oh, that's them saying they're not afraid of going to court, and they'll sue them in 
I presume, somewhere very friendly in Florida. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I do think that it's entirely possible that they're going to pay, like, the type of number that you go, what the hell? Like, they're paying mm-hmm. $500 million to get out of the ACC? It'd be over, like, 13 years. No, I think that was a declaration of war. And I think that, I think well, along they're, those willing, lines. they're willing to play villain, like, but I think they're behaving a lot like Phil Mickelson did with Liv. Like, he's taking all the bullets, but everyone behind the scenes is like, go nose quote. Like, I I think that was a bad day for the ACC. Well, along those lines, Pat Ford, did you see he likened this to the beginning of World War One? Like, we're, all, we're along the state, and that the Florida State thing could be the trigger, ultimately. So that was, uh, that was Franz Ferdinand getting shot by Gabrielle Princep? Yes. I can see. I Well, I actually would say the... Uh, if you're really USC and UCLA, yeah, but I also feel like that was done because of Texas and Oklahoma. That's true. Yeah, but didn't war didn't World War One start almost immediately after? Like a Fred, month, Prince basically. Ferdinand. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like a we didn't get a slow well, build. I know you find this hard to believe. Germany was kind of itching mm. for a chance to go to war. Yeah, um, and even though it happened to Austria, it's like that's good enough. It's an ally. Like well, good enough. Like they, let's <laughs> let's do this. Oh man! Well, I, it'll be. I mean, do you think? But do you don't think the reckoning is here? Do you think this is like it's all going to happen right now? So the other tasty take that I have about this is, I think now the entire like the entire future of the Pac-12 is basically in the hands of TV executives, and here's the reason why. If the Pac-12 is to survive, here's how I think it survives, Mark. Colorado, we know, is getting the full pro-rata share of the Big 12 contract. So ESPN and Fox have said, cool, great, $31.7 million, they get the full share. Most believe they're willing to do it for a 14th team. I think the hang-up right now in the Big 12 is whether or not they're willing to do it for teams 15 and 16. And it's not even necessarily it's not even necessarily they're worried about whether or not it's, well, we'll pay Arizona, but we won't pay Utah. Or we will pay Utah, we won't pay Arizona State. It's really, like, think of them as the names don't really matter that much to them. Uh-huh. But it's the idea of the additional... Like they're willing to basically give up like sixty-five million extra dollars, but the question is, are they going to pull the trigger on like a hundred and thirty million extra dollars per year? And so, it seems to be that part of the hang-up with all because those three schools, if they were all guaranteed, we're getting the full share. I think this is already announced. It seems like this is a negotiation. The same thing happened. The Big Ten was ready to take all four of. Washington, Oregon, uh, Cal, and Stanford. Well, now the reports are, was it Thamel or Wetzel? I think maybe it was Wetzel. Wetzel's saying, if indeed the Big Ten uh, expands, it's focused on the two of Washington and Oregon. Uh, let me translate that. Uh, Fox said, we'll, we'll, buy, we'll pay for Washington and Oregon at that reduced rate. We're not paying for the other ones. Because I think that's where this is all hanging. So the the Pac-12's path to survival is basically TV networks going, eh, I don't think so. But then there's another complicated factor. 
Apparently, Apple's deal with the Pac-12 expires tomorrow. Oh, gosh. So, I... So, well, isn't there... And there's a board of trustees meeting in Arizona Arizona today. tonight. Oh, boy. And it, by all accounts, that deal's like $20 million. This is like this is like one of those movies. The clock is ticking. It's like 24. We, yeah, they keep flashing. The we are running out of time. We are running out of time. Um, yeah, I don't know the answer. I... I I don't know if it's – I don't think we're going to get it all at once right here. I still don't think that. But if we, it's crazy how quickly this thing has gone from, like, under the surface to just out there in the open. Yeah, I think, though, we always forget, like, this is kind of how it happens. There's, like, nothing, 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 and then boom. Like, yeah, usually, usually, like, the – when, like, a – we don't get a slow build. Like, Florida State now feels like this is going to be... I don't think something's going to happen all of a sudden with Florida State. Well, I think we also have to remember Even this. though it's we'll se- remember the you know yesterday's board meeting as a moment. It also seems like everybody just, like, takes off June and July, and they get back August 1, they're like, all right, I guess we got to do something. <laughs> let's, 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 let's go get some more money. Yeah, I, I, I guess, well, we got two weeks, so uh, let's, let's hammer something out. Yeah. But well, it does feel like right now the reason why like there's this slowdown, I think it feels like there's the slowdown because it seems like it's a negotiation. It seems mm-hmm. like everybody's trying to get the best deal for them. Mm-hmm. And the Pac-12's only hope is that no deal gets done. Or the Pac-12's hope is Washington and Oregon sit there and go, we're not going to take this reduced rate from the Big Ten. Fox and ESPN tell the pack 12 or tell the big 12 you can take one more but not two more or not or whatever three more and then they can kind of be like stay on life support until inevitably someone just comes and raids them again cuz they have no stability yeah so it's not all it's not all or nothing in your mind there could be a middle ground here that then ultimately leads to all of it eventually Correct. happening but there, it's it might, a matter now of when yeah yeah it could be gradual all right the other thing that happened yesterday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, first Memphis football practice of the uh, preseason. Ryan Silverfield and Seth Hennigan spoke. Um, interesting, some various interesting comments. One of the things Seth Hennigan said that I thought was interesting was he was talking about, like he was asked, you know, you think you have better playmakers this year uh, on this roster. And, you know, he, I think he, a, a common question. Would he, we agree? Like that's of of like our big questions about Tiger football. That's one of. He took the diplomatic approach and said, "There's playmakers every year. They're just different every year." Um, and there's obviously a lot of turnover on the offensive side of the ball right now. And then he made this comparison. He said, "You look at Stetson Bennett. He had a lot of talented cats around him, and it gave their team a lot of success." Our main job is to get the ball to the playmakers in space as fast as possible. I'm trying to get the, get them the ball and go about my business. I don't know if this is a take. I want to form a take here. Can he be just Stetson Bennett and Memphis be really good? Because Stetson Bennett was pretty good. Uh, year two, Last year. Year two, Stetson was pretty good. Year one was ultimate bus driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, because this is kind of what we talked about yesterday. Like when we were doing the whole... Will he make first team? Will he make second team? Mm-hmm. I I tend to think they 
philosophically, I think Ryan wants like elite game manager. Mm-hmm. That's what Stetson Bennett was last year. Correct, but like I, I give Bennett credit. Like he made some big time throws, like particularly in that I mean, Ohio wasn't he State a Heisman game. finalist. Yeah, he but a- that, that's he's quarterback on the undefeated team. That he, yeah, yeah, still he was a Heisman finalist. He made he made more big plays last year than he did the year before. Like the mm-hmm. Tennessee game in that first and, quarter, and he it, had some big throws. Like, and it felt like when you listen to Ryan Silverfield and Seth Hennigan, specifically about Hennigan, that in their mind is kind of what they're focused on with Seth. Like they, they he's obviously a pretty good college quarterback, but the big plays, whether it's deep balls, whether it's situational football, if uh, you will, markets explosives, got to hit the explosives. Um. That's where I think they're focused on. Um, it was all just a reminder, though, that it is a very unique situation in the sense with Memphis football that the decision that is typically really hard for these college coaches that don't work out to get right, Ryan, it appears, got right. Like, remember he was picking yeah. between Hannigan and Gunnell and, like, I think Gunnell is now on his third, fourth school. Yeah, he left. He left North Texas. He's at Texas. Sam Houston State. I, I think I don't even think he's at FBS level, or maybe he's at like I think no, Sam I, Houston State's their conference. Pl- I USA. think they're, they're moving up. I think yeah. Sam Houston State's moving up, but they're in like that weird. You know, when you move up, you're in like that. You weird can't win the title. You can't yeah. win the title. I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing. But no, I agree. It seems like you know, and so his his success is hitched to Seth Hennigan, like ultimately, and it's a it's an interesting dynamic. With your quarterback, especially in this era of college football, and a coach like Ryan, who, you know, let's be real, is younger, is, um, you know, doesn't have like the track record to kind of back himself up on. Like, ultimately, like, you know, Seth Hennigan is his highest paid player, more than likely. And also, you know, I think has, and I think maybe realizes it, like some leverage in the sense that. Like this offseason, if Seth Hennigan had left after last season, who knows what would have happened with the program. Yeah. yeah, but I still think we did this weird thing with Seth where I thought his freshman year, he didn't get enough credit. And then I thought last yep. year, he kind of got too much benefit of the doubt. Well, and it's, it's interesting because if you look at the, the, the string of quarterbacks before him that were really good at Memphis, you know, I think Paxton Lynch, I think it was his third year in which he, like, really came into his own, right? Or was it uh, second year? I think he redshirted and then— But they, I'm seeing playing at Memphis. Yeah, I think he redshirted, played his freshman year, and there was a big war. There's uh, Jacob yeah. Karen was the piano yeah, 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 guy, and he yeah. was, like, a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, That's what I'm saying. The third year playing is when he really kind of yeah, broke through. His, his redshirt sophomore year. But then— Ferguson, it was his second year when he really kind of broke. You know, he had the great year. He was only here two years. Um, but it was his second year where he was record-setting. He was good his first year. But, like, yeah. it, it was like the member uh, of the team was getting used to Norvell. It was Norvell's first year, and they, you know, they, they didn't – and they had they were up and down. Um, yeah, that first year they were like eight and five. or And then yeah. Brady, it was in the middle of that second year, the 2019 Cotton Bowl year. Him, his second year as the starter is when he came into his own. Now, Brady, Riley uh, were much older than Seth Hennigan. Yeah, they'd been elsewhere. Um, 
And so it's a little like, you know, Seth Hennigan is a 20-year-old third-year starter, and um, Ryan Silverfield has pointed this out, and I think he's right. Like, there's probably not many of those in the country. Like a third-year starting quarterback who's 20 years old. Yeah, like a true – yeah, a true a junior. True, a true guy that has been in college three years and is a junior. Yeah. That's, and it and, and started the first two years. I don't think there's probably very many in the country. Yeah, like I'm racking my – Given the like, way it is with the portal. Quinn Ewers is that weird – remember he like went to Ohio State to take the NIL money and then transferred back to yeah, – But he the, hasn't yeah. started three years. He well, I mean he would have started two, but he's been hurt. Um, I mean, like I'm thinking through – no, whatever it is, there's not many. And Will so- Rogers was probably in that boat, but he's a year older, like a senior. Um, but yeah, no, not not many at all. Here's a tasty take: there should probably be a little more pressure on Seth Hennigan. We put a lot on Ryan Silverfield. There should be a little bit on Seth Hennigan too. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. But I mean, I don't. I think I agree with your previous point, though. Like, aren't they kind of synonymous at the same point? Yes, but he well. <laughs> I think I think Seth has uh, more options than Ryan, probably, ultimately. Yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. And I think it, it seems like he is on the cusp of being a, you know, I don't know if he's a pro, but a very good college quarterback. Like, he, he has, he, he can, I think he might, he has a slightly better arm than, than Brady White, it feels like. But Brady was a, it seems like, had a better command of the offense, but he was also much older. Uh, I think Brady played in a better offense. Yeah, that's true. That's um, not, had better playmakers around him. That's true. Uh, I do agree that Seth. And he's has, never had a run game. He's never really. Like last year, remember how much he was running last year? Well, and a lot of that, though, was because he didn't trust the left side of the line. There it, was a lot of times that he was just taken off. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, honestly, though. The argument against this team goes as Seth goes. The argument against it would be, is the offensive line better? Yeah, because like ultimately, if anything, what I think last year showed is that unless Seth has gotten better, he's a good college quarterback. He's not necessarily like have him sling the ball 55 times and you'll go win the game type of quarterback. Yeah, he's not in the like Mahomes vein or like, John, like, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like in the terms of like extending the play mm-hmm. and we'll make something like Manziel in college. Yeah. Like that. You know what I mean? Like just making something out of nothing. He said Johnny Manziel and Cam Newton were his two favorite quarterbacks growing up. That's why he's, he's switching to number two this year. Yeah. I um, saw that. It's his th- second time. He's now changed. So he's he's going to have 14, a, five, two. Yeah. I think he's got a, his third new number. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm just—it's the classic. I'm gonna have to see it. Like, I, I, my suspicion is I'm getting a lot of whiffs of. I'm getting a lot of whiffs of the offensive line coach that's become the head coach wanting to establish the old run, and do that. And Seth did say he he was telling his dad the other day that this might be the most talented team he's had at Memphis. Uh, I mean, that's the Maybe. thing. We have no idea. Maybe. We'll find out. Yeah. Anything else happen at practice? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you get this. You can you can sort of already see um, that, you know, ultimately they've got a lot of depth at, at 
some positions where they haven't had depth before, but like they're still trying to figure out like, okay, is this guy like just like a second, you know, a, a guy a fill in a filler guy, or is this guy actually legit? Can we rely on him as like a you know main part, whether it's at tackle or it's on the defensive line or it's at linebacker um, or wide receiver or you know like is, you know what I mean? Like they got a lot of different possibilities at spots and. But it does, you know, like it's about it's going to be about establishing, you know, whether it's defensively with you know defensively dynamic playmakers or offensively, you know, guys who whoever's going to get the ball from Seth essentially, and you know, again, they have to find a left tackle and a right tackle this this preseason camp. Did y'all see anything other than stretching and like throwing the ball? We in saw, air? yeah. I mean, we saw no. I mean, not, nothing more than we saw a. Drill in which they were going eleven on air on offense, and so um, I was able to see who was lined up with Seth Hennigan in that drill. Um, but I was told that is not allowed to be publicized uh, according <laughs> to the rules of Memphis football practice. Uh, so it never disappoints. Yeah. So um, then don't uh, then don't run a drill. In During which, the open period. Correct. Yep. I know. But there's a simple fix for that. I don't make the rules. I can maybe maybe I'll drop some hints at some point along in the show, like in later shows. But we can we can ask him about it afterwards and you know, I we got a decent sense from him afterwards, kinda who's who he's anticipating being the main guys on this team. It always it never fails to disappoint. Football coaches mm-hmm. acting like who is on the field, acting like that's a state secret. It is truly like I think that should be an. It's IQ. all of them though. I think no, that's what I'm. But it, it also like remember if a lot of these guys weren't doing what they do, like they're PE coaches. Like <laughs> it is hard to be a PE coach. There's nothing wrong with it, like at all. But like these guys act as if like it's so. It's always like. So jarring when you go from like covering the football team to covering the basketball team, and they just tell you like, "Oh yeah, here's who's running first team, here's who's running second team." It's like, wait, you're just like giving that up? And you're like, "Oh yeah," because like they're not paranoid, and they don't like literally think everything is a state secret. As if, by the way, whoever Bethune Cookman sees on, do you think that they're not going to notice on the first play? Hey, at least Ryan puts out a depth chart. My guy Harbaugh doesn't put out a depth chart. Doesn't it doesn't Ryan use like thirty eight oars? I see he still puts out a depth chart. That's you know I'm not gonna I'm not beggars can't be choosers I, I, here. But I put out a real depth chart. Don't put this stupid oar out there. Well, maybe maybe there are oar situations. I, I will say I do think gambling's about to clean all this up. I don't think no. You be saw able to, LSU yeah, is going to put gonna, out injury reports. They're going to have to start. They're putting not going to injury. They're reports. not going to keep getting away like, with this. It'll be like hockey injury reports, yeah. like upper body, lower body, doubtful, questionable, that sort of. They're thing. They're just not going to get away with this. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back. Let's talk with Eric. We'll do that next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM, ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. That music we means we welcome the Memphis Grizzlies Radio Network. Play-by-play announcer Eric Hasseltine to the program. Eric, let's start here. Would you get a Grizzlies tattoo? No. <laughs> I'm scared of needles. It's like my one phobia. Uh, it's not that. Um, it's not that. I just, I don't know. I don't have any, and I'm on the fifth floor of life, so I don't feel like I am. Mm-hmm. But at, at 50 years old, I, I think getting a tattoo, unless it's of one of my children or something they accomplished or, you know, maybe 10 years down the road if uh, – my daughter has a kid. If my son has a kid 10 years down the road, he and I are going to go to the karate dojo for a mm-hmm. few rounds. Uh, a little young at that point to be uh, doing it, but I guess not really. I guess he'd be 21, but um, I might do a grandkid thing. But I, don't, I just, at this point, I, don't, I think it would look ridiculous on me. And so a grizzly tattoo, one, um, I don't want to answer every question about it if I go to the beach or go to a pool or go somewhere. <laughs> Why do you have a grizzly tattoo? Then I got to get into the, yeah, well, I was the radio guy for them, and so I did that. And then I, then I just feel like I sound like, uh, like a clown, you know, trying to brag about a career that, uh, you know, look, I've been blessed. You guys know me well enough to know I don't run around popping my chest out, go, hey, look at me. I I just feel like it's my job. I've been lucky to do something I love, so I don't want to necessarily draw attention to it. I, I appreciate everybody's kind words when they enjoy what we do, but I don't think it makes me any different than the guy working at the bank, working at a law office, the Chick-fil-A, the Walmart, whatever. We're all doing jobs and doing the best job we can, right? Do you think John Morant will be asked at the pool, hey, why you got a Grizzlies tattoo? No, I think there'd be other questions. <laughs> <laughs> there'd be other yeah, questions. How, that's that a, that's a good question. The... How far along the list of questions <laughs> yeah. would it be till you get to, why you got a grizzly tattoo? Uh, I, probably it, it did take a day or two probably yeah. if you really wanted to get into dive into things. Do you remember that Snickers commercial where the guy was playing for the uh, Detroit Lions and he comes into the locker room and it's got this massive – Lions logo tattoo, and the the, guy, the coach comes in. He takes it off. Hey, check it out! Look what I did. And he comes up. He goes, "Hey, you've been traded to Miami." Yeah. <laughs> that like, one. Oops. Was it? And then 
was Snickers the the Kansas City chefs when they that didn't was fantastic. Yeah, I think that was them too. That was one. Yeah, that was one. Of the, the that was one of the best. Their their stuff like you're not you when you're hungry is pretty pretty funny. I think. Yeah, when they had like Robin Williams. Yeah, that was that was good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay, how are we supposed to feel about hypothetically uh, the Grizzlies starting four perhaps having to play like six weeks of international basketball? Hypothetically speaking. Uh, I don't know. I guess it is what it is. So I, I didn't realize how long the time commitment was for FIBA, the FIBA World Cup. Like they're they. He, so they, you're talking about. Jaren. I guess technically it's two because Santi is. Yeah, Jaren well. yeah. and Santi are both. Santi, Jaren, Steven. Dylan. And. But I guess he's Dylan. not on the team anymore. He's not. Yeah, Dylan's no. not on the team. Uh, no. Dylan got booed. Dylan got booed at the Toronto, Toronto. Pro Am. So uh, if you're keeping score at Blue home. Who is an overrated champ? That's two. Uh, that is now two home arenas that he's been booed at. <laughs> he got booed in Toronto? Yeah, at the Toronto. He wasn't booed. They did an overrated chant, I believe, uh, towards him at I the thought it Toronto. Was both. I think it was. Now, to I his credit, why. he put like, up when like. He went there, man. When. When we were up there for the game this year, they loved him. I mean, they were cheering for me at a section. Now he got he got into Dylan the villain mode and started taunting the crowd. So maybe they remember that. I mean, they the Canadian folks tend to have long memories. But well, like, and I think the he's playoffs prodigal sons. I think the playoffs change. Like the playoffs put him on a level of notoriety. That he had never been on before with the whole LeBron yeah. thing, and in, in all honesty, it's probably what got him paid. And I agree with that, but then, but still, he's a native of basically a Toronto suburb. Yeah, were they booing? Do you think because he didn't sign with the Raptors? I don't know. <sighs> and now I will it? say, it looked like it was not. It was, the Toronto Pro Am does not look like it's quite like the Drew League or Rucker Park. Like it's a look looked much more of a small time operation. Uh, up there, so you know, snarky crowd, maybe like, a little like, more. Like fifteen guys, their voices kind of carried yeah. quite a bit in a building like that, you know. And it could just be like ten, a group of ten or fifteen guys who don't like Dylan Brooks, you know. Maybe it's like a ri- guys from the rival high school or something. Well, if you pay Americans to go up there and play, they're not going to come back with much. The Canadian, hey, I'll give the Canadian government something. They say you're going to play your sport in our country, you're going to pay us. Yeah, and and that's. That's pretty well known, and I, I think it, you know, it, it hurts. I think it's probably one of the reasons why Fred Van Vliet said, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm, I've had enough. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. giving away half of half my money when in America I don't have to give that much away." Now it's why a Canadian player goes back up there and goes, "Sure, I'll play. I'm not going to get taxed like that." But um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's a great question, but uh, Dylan's going to get booed probably the rest of his career. But look, he's still got a career. That's what I was saying. You might hate the guy, but he's still in the NBA, and he, he's, he's he's there very, because he can play. He's well, significantly more wealthy now, too. No, I mean that's the thing. Like when everyone was doing the like uh, enjoy China, it's like I that's not what's going to happen. If I, he wants to go there on vacation, sure, he's got plenty of money to go, go to have, China. I have this question <laughs> though, Eric. China, that's great, Eric. I have this question about Dylan. Do you think he kind of got into a situation where he was like living the gimmick too much, where like? Because I, I I wonder, like, everyone kept doing the, oh, he knows what he's doing. I felt like at the end he started, like, he got in even deeper. He doubled down on it. I don't think there's a doubt about that. I think when he – now, listen, you can look at it one of two ways. 
you can look at it, it was brilliant because his name is now known throughout the league, whereas before, diehard fans knew him because, he, he look, he's a hell of a defender. There's no denying that. The, the analytics and the statistics show it, and the people voted on it. And even the guys that hate him that are awesome players, no, he's not, you know, he's not a, a guy that's completely lacking of talent and it's all talk and no ability. I mean, right. there, were, there were guys that in the past, and I don't – Damon Jones is the guy that comes to my mind, the, kid out, the guy out of Houston that kind of attached himself to Shaq, and he was always at mm-hmm. the All-Star game. He was an okay backup point guard who could knock down a shot or two, but he really wasn't – much of a factor, but every time he turned around, there was Damon Jones at some NBA event with one of the league's biggest stars, so he would buddy up with the best players on his team, and I guess he was a fun guy to hang around with, because they all did. I believe he did and it with LeBron, how- and he's still with LeBron yeah. today. So this, this guy is an elite hanger-on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's next level, but it also says maybe his personality is such that those guys like him, and that's fine. You know, whatever. We, we've all had teammates that just seemed to gravitate and everybody likes him. That's great. But for Dylan, he kept he got his name really well known. Now, I think once that happened, because it, it had happened before the playoffs, I think he just said, all right, let's run with it. Let's embrace this. Let's do If we're yeah. going to do it, let's do it. And I, like I said, I honestly believe um, that that probably got him paid because earlier in the year, there wasn't a lot of talk that he was going to get that kind of contract. ESPN sent a guy here to follow him for a week yeah. and wrote like a glow, pretty glowing feature on him all in all. Um, there are not many defensive stoppers in the league getting that treatment from ESPN. No, and look, I, the last time I saw him outside of basketball, I ran into him uh, in Germantown at Whole Foods. Just, I was there getting something. I, I'm coming out in the parking lot. And he literally parks right next to me, and I was like, <laughs> he looked in, and he kind of did the, oh, yeah, I do know you kind of thing. Yeah. They, like, those guys are in their own head. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay to wave. You know me. And he kind of laughed, and we chuckled. I said, how you doing? Nice ride. You know, everything good? Yeah, I'm good. And he's, he's really just a quiet kind of subdued guy away from the game. He's a different animal the day, you know, that's probably not the best term to use because he's a a man. He's not an animal. He's a different dude when he gets to the gym. When he gets to the gym, he's a different guy. Like, whether it's shoot around in the morning on the road, whether it's at the, at his home arena, like, I would walk by him in, like, at 545 after talking to Taylor and heading to get some food, and this guy would just look right through you. He would walk by you go into his workout, not break stride. I honestly think if I got in his way, he would walk over me and not stop and not even know he stepped on something. I mean, that's how locked in he got. And I even asked somebody, I said, did I do something to offend him? Because, you know, he's always pretty cool to me at the games. And they're like, no, like nobody talks to him before the game. He doesn't talk to anybody. So I think that's just, he just goes into game mode and that's how he got paid. So, um, I got no problem with that. You, you got to handle your business the way you want. For him, it worked out in the end. I think for the Grizzlies, there was some frustration with the shot selection, as we all know, but there's no denying the impact he had on the defensive end of the floor. I know the coaches that worked with him said there's nobody that looks at film harder than Dylan or tries to improve. In fact, one of the coaches he worked with, he like, 
I'd be like, hey, let's go grab dinner. And he'd be like, I don't know that I can. I'm pretty much expecting a call from Dylan at like 8.30 or 9 to go to the gym because yeah. he hasn't shot the ball recent, well recently, and that's usually when they come. And I said, okay, well, then you do your thing, and if he doesn't call you, call me, and I'll tell you where we're at and come join us. And inevitably, he would call. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. But, you know, I, him playing for Team Canada, that's a, that's a great thing for Canada. And, um, you know, you gotta, you got to figure that out. What was his ride? Uh, I think it was a Porsche. It was like a matted – it's like one of the Porsche, like, SUV type in between the, the hybrid SUV, the hybrid SUV, like, sports car. You know, it's not the, quite an SUV, but it is. The, the, what's it, it's like the, the – the, Not the Carrera. Uh, or not oh, the, not the Mommobile? No, not the Mommobile. It was like the one in between. The one in between the pure sports car and the Mommobile. There's one that I don't know the, the model, but it was beautiful. It was like a matte, either, I can't remember if it was gray or blue. But he, was, he rolled up in it, and I'm like, well, yeah, dude, you make 11, I think $12 million a year. You, that's a, I'd have that too. Who's got the sickest car? Uh, I've, I've looked down. I mean, like, Jaws got a collection of cars oh. now. A lot of them don't. I don't see them because a lot of them don't drive themselves to the airport or to the game. Oh, that's a good point. And I get why. Yeah, like, no, I, 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 I think that's smart. Yeah. No, yeah, they, if they, I, yeah. If I was a famous athlete, actor, singer, whatever. Well, like if you're going on a five-game road trip, you're going to park your car was, out there at was, Wilson Air Center. Every time, every time Tiger gets in trouble, like I'm sitting there going, like, "You're Tiger Woods. Why are you driving yourself?" Like, you are a billionaire. Like, I'm with you, Eric. Like, if I'm a famous person, I'm never driving. I'm not even, like, giving myself the option of getting in trouble. Let's just go ahead and hypothetically play the if I win the Mega Millions on Friday yes. that everybody's playing. I'll never – I won't drive a car again, probably. I'll have a guy well, you can on get things to- done, too. Like, you can – you know, like, now with, like – Yeah, multitask. Yeah, got, you, go, hey. you, you can you – can, Jeff or uh, Eric, you can be doing your charts. <laughs> I got charts. I'm going to be playing golf class. I'm yeah. playing games on my phone. No, it's just, but like with these guys, look, I, I hate to put it this way. If the wrong guy is driving around town and looks over and there's one of our players that he knows makes double digit millions of dollars and he's a bad person driving next to him, the, there's more of a likelihood he's going to try to pull in front of him, slam on the brakes and then sue him. I mean, that's, the world we live in, unfortunately. And so these guys just eliminate that by hiring somebody to drive them to and from at times. And, you know, I, I think that's smart. They, they stay out of trouble. They, they, you know, we've had too many athletes who think they're bulletproof. And I, I, I'm not going to say our guys were immune to this because I remember driving home a few road trips and feeling like I was Mr. Magoo in that little mobile and getting spun around by guys blowing past me. Mm-hmm. But we've had guys lose their – I mean, Bobby Phils is the yeah. one that comes to mind from back in the day. They they were just doing what young – and they are young. They're young men in their 20s do. They drive fast, and now they're driving fast with their buddies, and now they're driving I, fast with their buddies in really expensive, high-performance cars. And so have somebody drive you, get there safely, do what you do. Like, I, LeBron, I think it's when an, he goes home, cracks a bottle of wine and, like, can have a can have a nice Cabernet on his ride back to his multi- well, and sometimes and he's had it on the bench. Million-dollar mansion. The reality is, I think, it, like, I've seen it a lot. Like, I remember when I covered the Capitals. You want to know someone who – I remember – This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news – 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.